0: Good morning church. I have the privilege of giving God's Word to us today and I look forward to it. Uh, this week has been a, a great week for us as a as a family. Marie and I were in Chicago downtown on Wednesday where I got my second treatment of uh, radiation uh, bead therapy pouring it into five tumors in my liver. and um, I felt the the next two or three days like I'd been fighting with Rocky Balboa. I mean to tell you, it really hurt. Uh, But that's a sign of good that it hurt. And so um, when we were driving in that day, the skyline of Chicago was just extraordinary. And it really is a great skyline that we've got, some of the most beautiful buildings in the world. And the way we were coming in, you couldn't help but be impressed by the highest of them all, which we now call, I believe, Willis Tower. It's really gargantuan. You know, it just dominates the skyline there. And I thought, this will be a good way to start the sermon because as we are studying the Sermon on the Mount, this great sermon of Jesus Christ, where he kind of lays out what he considers to be how extraordinary humans live, um, this we, what we do this week is probably the pinnacle. This is the this is the Willis Tower. This is the Sears Tower of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, last week was challenging. This week, you won't even believe it's right. You'll have trouble believing Jesus Christ uh, today and what he's asking of us. Now, remember, he's asked us to be extraordinary humans. I actually borrow that from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, when he wrote about this subject. And he said, this is where Jesus Christ lays out his plan for what humans should look like when Christ is in them. And all that hymn, May the Mind of Christ My Savior, every single verse was talking about who we can be with Christ in us. Well, here it is. So, think of the Willis Tower in two ways this morning. Number one, think of it as the pinnacle of the Sermon on the Mount, and that's what we're going to look at. But then, think of it, if you dare, of what God intends for you to be if you know Jesus Christ, okay? It's what you, you're meant to be at the skyline, you're meant to stand out salt and light. Remember that we did that a couple of weeks ago? Today, you're going to see what that looks like morally and ethically, All right? So, uh, incidentally, those of you that are just visiting and are uh, investigating Christianity, you're off the hook. Uh, This isn't being asked of you. It's only asked for those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God has indwelt them they are in Christ and Christ is in them and he has pretty high expectations for us. So some of you are sitting here and go, whoa, am I glad I didn't become a Christian? Now what we'd like to say to you is you've got to count the cost, but secondly, there's no life like living the life of Christ inside you, of really becoming better than you ever imagined you could be because of Christ in you. Yeah, it's the, o- it's the only way to fly. All right. Okay, so here we go. We're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 through, I'm sorry, verses 38 through 48. And I'd like to read the whole passage. It'll also be on the screen for you. Okay, remember, this is the Willis Tower of the Sermon on the Mount. 38 through 48, chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than any others? Don't even pagans do that. No. Be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Thus says the Lord Jesus Christ. Whew. Ouch. Wow. Mm. All right, off we go. Our Verses 38 through 42, and I think we'll be able to keep those on the screen at least part of the time for those of you. He starts out by saying... You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, somebody hits you in the eye, you hit them right back in the eye. Somebody knocks your tooth out, you knock their tooth out. Now, it sounds a bit barbaric unless you like cowboy movies like I do. And, and, and it's always revenge, retribution, et cetera, and the good guy always wins in the end. I've started wondering, however, after this week. Incidentally, I've been laying under this passage for 10 days studying it. And, and I cannot believe what God is calling of, in me through this thing. He said, so, so first of all, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It sounds barbaric, but in reality, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth was the way to con- control excessive retribution and revenge and payback. Okay? Remember those ancient cultures, even the ancient Jewish culture. Abraham, Isaac, Then comes Jacob, and and we have the Jewish race, okay? Uh, Well, Jacob had 12 sons, right? He also had some daughters. One of those was Dinah. Dinah went out visiting other areas of the region one day, and the prince of a smaller kingdom saw her and was so attracted to her, he took her. He did what he wanted with her. He abused her. Uh, apart from her willingness, and then his father, the king, comes to Jacob and says, I'd like your daughter Dinah, My, my, my prince, my son, wants her for his wife. So what did Jacob and his sons do? Well, they devised a plan, and the plan was this. Yes, king, we'd be glad to give our daughter to you to, uh, and our sister to you to be the wife of your son who abused her. Uh, we'd be glad to do that. All we would ask is that you and all the men of your small kingdom would get circumcised because that's what it takes to be a part of our people group. And the king says and the prince says, well, we're willing to do that. And so they were all circumcised, and then when they couldn't get up from a prone position, Jacob and his sons and 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 their servants attacked that small kingdom and destroyed every man in it, and took every bit of wealth and took the women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, their response. To eye for an eye was not eye for an eye. You knock out our eye, we will destroy your people group. We still see that happening today. It's amazing as you study how wars happen. Sometimes it was what we would call the smallest events that turned into wild, wide scale destruction. And so an eye for an eye, for a tooth for a tooth, was actually a merciful way of holding retribution and revenge in now look what goes on next verse 44 but I tell you now he's gonna say that twice he's gonna say it in both paragraphs and I wrote in my notes right under when Jesus says but I tell you I go new sheriff in town (laughs) and this is where Jesus starts to blow our minds with with what he thinks these things are So, you say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. See, it's right there. Do not resist an evil person. Do not go eye for eye, tooth for tooth. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to them the other cheek. Do not resist an evil person. Example number one, if somebody slaps you. Now, now in that culture, the most insulting thing that a person could receive would be in public to have the back of a hand slap another person's face. It was a way of saying, you are nothing to me. You are below me. Jesus says, strike them back. No. He says, turn the other cheek and say, go ahead and hit me there if you want to. Receive it. Don't react. Self-control is a mighty weapon. Next example. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt hand over your coat as well. Anyone wants to see you? Remember, the whole context here is evil persons. Not justified persons, evil persons. So you're taken to court, and it's unjust. And in those days, you had two pieces of clothing, and many people only had two pieces of clothing, and one was the tunic or the shirt, which covered the whole body. It'd be kind of like a T-shirt covering the whole body. That's your undergarment. And then your cloak was that which kept you warm. And Jesus says, if they're suing you and they're trying to get your shirt, give them your coat as well. What? Come on, Jesus. Don't counter sue. Yield your rights to your own clothing. You have got to be kidding. He's not done. Verse 41, "If any force one forces you to go one mile with them, go two miles." And they could do that in those days. This is actually a practice that began in ancient Persia, when Persia ruled most of the known Middle East and, and the Earth at that time. and, and they, had a, they had a gargantuan postal system. And so you had these people out riding and walking, delivering letters all over the empire. And they'd get exhausted. And since they were the dominating power, they could literally at any point see a person in any town, village, area, country that, that they wanted and say, hey, carry, carry this now. By law, you must carry this one mile. Now, of course, in the time of Jesus, it wasn't Persia, and it wasn't just postage. It was Roman armaments, and they could at any point say, you're going to carry this. And Jesus says, don't only carry it one mile, carry it two miles. You you mean the occupying power who's been unjust to us, and we've got to carry their gear? Jesus says, yes, and go beyond. He's not done yet. Verse 42, give to the one who asks you. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Live with extraordinary generosity so if somebody needs some money, you give it to them. Somebody wants to borrow, you you do it. I I found myself thinking, maybe because I was in downtown this week, golly, On every corner, I have people asking me for money. What in the world do you do? I have one friend who buys McDonald's certificates. And $5, you know, a bunch of those, and gives those out to people because we're always afraid that the money that we would give would be used in ways that are not good for them. And we all know how good a McDonald's hamburger is for us. (laughs) So we'd rather give that. You see, what do you do with this? Jesus is calling for a profound level of generosity. Now, again, a reminder. This is only for Christians. Secondly, this is about how we are to do our relational networks with saints and sinners alike. It's not that there's illegal laws. No, it's the way that extraordinary humans start to live. You say, yeah, but it makes me a doormat. I like the way Spurgeon said it better. It doesn't make us doormats. It makes us an anvil. A-N-V-I-L. When other people are hammers. Because what is Jesus starting to call for? How do we sum all of this, if you will, giving up of rights and going extraordinary measures To give to other people, it's going to be the word love. And love is like an anvil that stands against the forces of injustice by letting love dominate. Now, some of you are saying, hold it, hold it, hold it. Doesn't work for me because I've read Paul, I've read Romans 13. And it talks about how God uses civil institutions to demand righteousness and justice and punishes those that are unjust. Let's let's look at it. Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has intended, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Another translation says, bring the wrath of God on themselves. So, so we have this kind of conflict. Jesus or Paul? Well, the answer is quite clear. Yes. It's both. Jesus is calling for how the behavior of his people will be in the relationships they engage in in the course of any day, any week, any life. But Jesus and Paul will also say God has set up the civil institutions to help restrain evil and bring justice and punishment. You are to follow Jesus, chapter 5, and let the governing agencies handle the retribution. Say, well, how would this work out? Well, kind of like this a burglar breaks into your house and you catch him. And you've got him. And he's not going anywhere. And you find out that he was going to steal all this stuff from you because he needed money, I don't know, for his family or uh, said it was for his family, it was for his drugs. I, I have no idea. What should you do? You give him coffee, and you feed him, and you call the police. You love him beyond the expected, while still allowing the civil institutions to do what is right. This stuff's not easy. This is really hard. We are to be anvils and allow other people to hammer on us. But I've got an anvil. I've hammered on it a lot. Hasn't even made a dent in that anvil. It's stronger, it's a stronger steel. We are to be a stronger steel through love and giving than demanding our rights. Verse 43 through 48. Let me introduce it this way. A man who has a wonderful family is ready to go on his business trip and he's got a 10-year-old son. And he pulls his 10-year-old son to him, and he says, son, i got to go on this business trip. Now, I want you to take care of mom and the other kids, and I want you to do the things that I do when I'm home in my place. Will you do that? Yes, dad, I will, he says. He goes on the business trip. He comes back. He's with his wife. How did he do? How did our son do? Oh, she said, he did exactly what you do. He, he, he took out the garbage. He brought his dishes to the sink. And then he went into the living room with a hot cup of coffee, opened up the newspaper, and turned on rock and roll music, just like you do. Well, in this passage, Jesus is daring to say, children of the Father, children of the Father are to imitate the Father. Father. Not in bad actions, but only in good. Here we go. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I'll tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45, that you may become children of your Father who is in heaven. There it is. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you so that you will be children of your Father who is in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. He causes His rain to fall on the unrighteous and the righteous. You're to be like your Father in heaven. Like Father, like children. And so, the reason we are called to love even our enemies and to love even evil people is because our Father in heaven does. Jesus' example is the sun that shines and the rain that falls. It falls on the just and the unjust alike. God's love is indifferent to the behavior of the people that receive it. Jesus is saying for us to do the same thing. And it's that word love that we run into throughout the whole Bible, isn't it? Folks, isn't that love, that word love everywhere? Sometimes I don't want to see it and I didn't want to see it here. John Wayne would not agree with this passage. (laughs) But we're supposed to. And the whole thing is summed up in love. Agape is the term. And it is that kind of love that keeps loving when the objects of the love are unattractive or non-loving or unlovable or undeserving. It loves no matter what. It is an anvil that stands under the hammers of injustice and wrong. God tested me on this this week. Um, I was working hard on this sermon. And we had our driveway seal coated. And our neighbor next door, who's a wonderful young man in his 20s, great family, et cetera, he got a 4x4. And and he thought he would just do circles in his front yard. And I'm kind of watching out the window. I go, well, that's fine if he wants to do that to his yard, as long as he doesn't do it in mine. I went back, sat down, kept working on my message. The next thing I see is he's walking toward my house. I walked outside and saw that he hadn't been able to control his 4x4, went right through my seal-coated driveway. I was ticked. I had a right to respond with justice. I wanted to be the hammer. Then he told me he'd visited our church a time or two. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding, Julie. This really happened like this. And, and the Lord is just on me about this thing. Lon, can you not practice what you're going to preach in even this regard? Really, Lon? You have the right to a seal-coated driveway that has no one to drive on it for 24 hours like you're supposed to? And the string I put across the end with stakes? So Yes, I have that right! No, I didn't. No, I didn't. And since Christ is in me, and since I was bending under his word, I said, I said to the young man, he really is a great young man. I said, it's not a big deal. Let's see what happens when it dries. And if you want, you can get some seal coating and cover that part if you want to. Just a small thing. But what a difference from responding one way to the other. you know? And, and I use it as an example because you saw one of your pastors blowing it and then saving it because of Christ in me, and this text. We could do that 100 times a day, folks. Jesus goes on to say, well, if you just, if you just like and love people who are likable and lovable, tax collectors do that. Pagans do that. That's nothing. I'm calling you to a different level of human existence which we saw so epitomized in much of the life of Martin Luther King. And while we still have eons to go, we cross many boundaries with this kind of not reacting. You don't react, you love more. You give more. And I I just felt like I put my hands into a fist. I'm going to love you. I'm not going to react. I'm going to love you, love you, love you, love you, love you and I mean that love is a much stronger fist than retribution and revenge yeah say Lon how do we even start to approximate this kind of extraordinary living I'll give you three things this is the best I got on this three things number one remember who you are and it'll be easier to love rather than look for retribution remember who you are the first of the beatitudes says blessed are the ones who are poor in spirit theirs is the kingdom of heaven poor in spirit means coming to the recognition that in me there is no part of me that is as good as it could be as good as it should be and I blow it 10 times a minute If I don't blow it in actions, I'll blow it in words. If I don't blow it in my words, I'll blow it in my thoughts. But once we we remember that the sun shines not only on the righteous, but the unrighteous, and I'm unrighteous, the the more you recognize your own sinfulness, the more you will be kind to others who sin against you. Our Father in heaven forgives us our Father in Heaven's love does not change regardless of how many times Lon Allison is, is, a, is an inner jerk during the course of a day. Once you got that down, it's like the Spirit uses that to help you start to have kindness toward others, to be merciful rather than uh, demanding justice. Second, so number one is remember who you are. Number two, yield your rights to God. Yield your rights to God. You know you don't have any, don't you? I mean, we, you saw the picture of the baptism that took place in Lebanon. Incidentally, I've been there in the Bakah. Uh, some of that footage was taken when Bill Oberlin and I were there a few years ago. It's quite amazing. And when a Muslim becomes a believer in Jesus Christ and they get baptized, their lives are in jeopardy because they always do it publicly. And it declares to the whole Muslim community that someone has left Islam and come to Christ. It, it, it's life-threatening. But when you go down under that water, one of the realities of, of baptism is that you die. That's what water will do. To, you can't breathe. And then you come up to new life. It's the dying to the old person and the rising to the new life. And that's where we get this whole concept that we don't have any rights anymore. Everything that I have belongs to God, it's not mine. Everything that I demand, I should not demand because I'm under a new authority. And by the way, isn't God our provider? By the way, isn't God our new protector? Some of you are probably here today and you you carry great weight of pain from people that have offended you. Let it go. The Lord's Prayer is interesting. When it gets to the forgiveness part, it says, God, forgive me my sins. Before it says, "So, so that I will forgive the sins of others. The more I'm aware of how broken I am, the easier it is for me to be caring to others, even when my, quote, rights are crossed. So number two, again and again and again, yield your rights to God because He's your provider and protector. Number three, you can't do this. I can't do this. That's where God wanted us to get to. I mean, when verse 48 says, so be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, it means to be perfect in this kind of love. But he is, and if he lives in us, this is what he's going to do in you and me. Surrender to it. Let him build you into, again, Bonhoeffer's words, an extraordinary human who's glad to be an anvil and be hammered by others. Watch this clip now from one of the greatest um, pieces of literature that's ever been written, Victor Hugo, Les Mis. Watch this now. That's pretty good. Right in the midst of the French Revolution, tit for tat, eye for eye, destruction everywhere, this bishop, Bishop Marielle chooses to live out Matthew chapter 5. And the the symbol of of the cuffs being taken off him, he's set free. You no longer belong to evil. You see, that kind of love is stronger than hate. And if you know the story, Jean Valjean, becomes an extraordinary human. And he brings goodness everywhere. And he corrects injustices everywhere. Much you have received, now much you give. The the title of it, Les Miserables, I probably didn't say it why because I don't know any French. But it means the miserable ones in the midst of a miserable society rose up Jean Valjean. And that's why still today, wherever you see this done, you watch people coming out of the play and they're weeping. They see a level of human living they didn't know was possible. And Jesus says, oh yes it is. We know it to be true. When Jesus came to the earth, he yielded up all of his rights, co-creator with the Father of everything. He placed himself completely under the authority and in total dependence on the Lord. The Lord Jesus didn't even have his own words. He says, I speak nothing that I haven't heard from the Father. He was in total dependence, and he had no rights. The Lord Jesus, at the time of his death, was slapped, punched, beaten, and insulted, but he didn't retaliate. Don't you think I could call on my Father from heaven who would come with a legion of angels? When falsely accused in the courts of religion and political leaders, he never demanded his rights. He never asked for justice. When murdered on the cross, He looked at his killers and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they've done. Jean Valjean just got it from Jesus. Jesus is giving it to us here. And then without saying it, he does it. And we all see it. God has called you to be an extraordinary human a loving anvil in a world of hammers. Amen? Pray with me now. And so, Father, we present these great truths, which are hard to believe to you, that you are able to do in us what we could never do in ourselves. And we thank you so much, Jesus, that you did choose to live this way. And only because of that can we be who we can be today and can we receive the gift of eternal life and and can we be forgiven of all of our sins because you did live this way. And since you live in us, carry on, Lord. Make us bigger than we ever imagined we could be. Amen. And now receive this as your benediction today that phrase from verse 45, that you may be children of the Heavenly Father. Marcia and I thought we'd do this for you as a way of saying, God bless you. Children of the Heavenly Father, safely in His heart you're gathered. Nestling birds nor stars in heaven, such a refuge ne'er is given. God his own doth tend and nourish. In his holy heart you flourish, tis his loving purpose solely to preserve us pure and holy. Go in the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ. If you need prayers, come on down. We're here for you.